Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Good afternoon, everyone. Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here once again with the last week in mortgage today, our weekly whirlwind through all the latest news happenings in the residential lending industry. Uh, each week, I am joined by one of our lender members as my co-host. And this week in the co-pilot seat, once again, the CEO of Eustace Mortgage, huge New Orleans Saints fan, loving her team after their big week three win, Kate Decay. Kate, good to see you. Hey, Rich. Always good to be here. Um, you know, I feel like it was me not watching the Saints game last week that must have ruined it for them because this weekend we were back on track. <laughs> Yeah, for those that weren't there, Kate's a huge Saints fan, and we saddled her with a board. She's on our board of directors. The board meeting was during the Saints game and the Browns game in Tierney a couple of weeks ago, and then she had a session she had to lead that was like during the end of the Saints game, and they got beat by the Panthers, and she's blaming TMC. So, yeah, um, yeah we'll take okay. it. We'll take okay. the blame. Yeah. So, I, I think I would rather be there. Um, it wasn't a home game or anything, so we're all good. And it was a great conference. And as always, we're going to go through some of the news headlines here as we do each week. But I really want to get inside your brain um, as to some of the takeaways of that conference last week, because it was a gathering of a lot of great leaders of uh, mortgage companies and financial institutions across America, uh, like yourself, that uh, and just there was so much great discussion and interaction and so much to dig into there that I think our listeners will get even more value out of. Um, then the news headlines. So we'll quickly go through the headlines this week, if that's cool with you. Okay, cool. All right. So let's get right into it. And as always, for our attendees, any questions, comments, anything you want to add to the program, please uh, don't hesitate to do so through the chat or the Q&A, and we'll incorporate it into the show. Uh, Kate, the news headlines, we're kind of at the top of the headlines right now. Um, the Senate is getting set to advance President Biden's pick for director of the CFPB, Rohit Chopra. Uh, to the Senate floor for a confirmation vote. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, uh, appointments and confirmations from the Biden administration that have been viewed very positively by the residential lending industry. Uh, this one, maybe not much as so. Uh, they tried to put it through for confirmation like six months ago. It immediately got 50-50, right down party lines, all 50 Republicans voting against it. Um, the nominee, Rohit Chopra, is a well-thought-of guy. He's been at CFPB for a while. He's kind of been the student loan watchdog. Um, but I, I think what makes people nervous, and the uh, Senate Banking Committee ranking Republican member, Pat Toomey, has already come out and made these comments publicly, uh, is he's been kind of seen as anti-business. He was He's like the best buddy of Elizabeth Warren, who, you know, not to get political, and we're not going to do that in the show, but the derailment of her presidential campaign was largely tied to her being viewed as completely anti-business. So the mortgage industry made up of a lot of people like you that run small to medium-sized businesses. So maybe some of the trepidation there, but uh, so we'll see how this goes. It should be interesting to see. I, I can't see any Republicans voting for him, uh, but uh, we'll see how it all plays out. Any thoughts on uh, Rohit Chopra? Yeah, you know, anytime I see overzealous in the description of someone, I'm not really for them getting put into a role um, that regulates our industry. So, uh, you know, as always, we'll see how it plays out. What can we do if um, if it moves forward in a direction that's not positive for us? Of course, be thankful for a lot of the positives we've seen lately. And then um, I think with the change in administration, we all knew that we were going to have to 
step back up on our game for um, monitoring regulatory compliance. And so I think everybody's just reminding themselves each week that they need to get get back into um, going through all of our policies and procedures around regulatory compliance and making sure we're on the up and up. Yeah, great point. And I heard a lot of that talk at our conference last week. And you know, I mean, to be fair, the interim director right now, Dave Uiho, you're going to we're getting the same type of approach where an over you're right the term overzealous and regulator, uh, you know, not great to see next to one another, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, on the other side of things, um, Democrats proposed a 20 year mortgage for first generation home buyers through the Lift Act uh, would create a program through HUD to sponsor. Uh, low fixed rate, 20 year fixed rate mortgages that I believe are like amortized. The payment is amortized over like the 30 year payment. So one of a lot of different uh, affordable housing related initiatives that uh, we've seen proposed. It's just a proposal. Uh, any any thoughts on that news item this week? Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, there's there's so many there's so much legislation out there trying to spur first time homeownership, which is great. But it's also uh demonstrative too. It seems like, why are we putting out so many? Can't we pick one, figure out how to kind of perfect it and move it forward? So now we have three. Um, We'll kind of see which one wins or if they will try to combine um, a few of them. This one's definitely interesting. Um, I think you see with kind of all of them, it's it's not only first-time ownership, but first-generation home ownership, which this one pulls in as well. Um, the focus here is trying to build build wealth, uh, which I find interesting. You know, with the terms that they're putting in place, it is a thirty, it's a twenty-year, but amortizes it or you know a payment closer to a thirty-year. And they're basically saying the Department of Treasury will um, subsidize it to get there, and it's a great way for for folks to build equity. Um, so it's certainly an interesting proposed legislation. I'll just, again, is it, which one's going to be the one that comes out in the final say? And then also I I feel like we keep forgetting and aren't concentrating on affordable housing. And to me, that has to come before any of this because you can put this out, but if there's not affordable housing to back it up, then we're, we're not, we're not making the efforts and able to implement what is intended. Yeah, great point. And I think I saw not even in our show notes, but Moody's just came out with some kind of report on just rising rents, uh, uh, research that they had done recently. Not surprisingly, right? There's no affordable housing out there for first time home buyers to buy. So those people are renters now. And uh, there's just so much rent demand because there's no affordable homes to buy. So not surprisingly, we're starting to see a lot of statistics now start to pop up rents are rising. Right. So, you know, the, like to your point, this affordable housing issue, there's been a lot of talk about oh, affordable housing, affordable housing, raise Fannie and Freddie's goals. If you have no affordable homes for people to buy, nobody's hitting any of their goals. And we're not going to address this very serious problem in America. So not an easy issue to tackle or solve, but one that I think uh, lawmakers need to get collaborating around. For sure. It needs to be the forefront of the conversation versus all these other things that we're talking about ahead of it. Totally agree. Um, We got another round of new and existing home sale data from the month of August. Both came in pretty close to expectations. Uh, New home sales were up about one and a half percent. Existing home sales were down a little less than two percent month over month from July to August. Probably most notable from the report from the existing the new home sales report is we're now up to allegedly a six month supply of homes in America, which is by no means healthy, 
but compared to the the two and three month stuff that we saw in the spring, uh, it's at least hopefully a sign that we're headed in the right direction. I, I personally believe the demand out there is still so much stronger than any potential supply pickups that we're never going to get past this six, seven month of inventory level. But uh, what are you seeing in your markets, your thoughts on just the whole inventory issue right now? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's still an inventory problem. I did like that the August um, numbers were up because I know historically kind of August is trends down. So I liked kind of having that an idea that there may be some momentum going into the fall um, to see some positive trends in that direction. Um, but, you know, with with kind of the news earlier regarding the Fed tapering mortgage-backed securities in 2022, I think we're also going to start seeing the rate rise that we've been kind of anticipating over the these months. I think we're finally going to start seeing um, that as well. So, you know, guess it's always a guessing game in our industry trying to forecast these things out. I don't think any of us could forecast the last two years of our lives in this world. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I, every time I think I know where things are going, it seems to go the exact opposite direction. It's so hard to predict this industry. But yeah, to your point, I mean, the Fed's really starting to up their uh, rhetoric around tapering. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just think that you know, we are going to see higher rates at some point, which is just going to exasperate the, the affordable housing and uh, affordability issue in general. So a lot for uh, leaders, some of the new leaders have been appointed, some of the new housing leaders to tackle and a good segue uh, into one of those leaders that you were nice enough to interview for us. So Kate is on our board of directors at the Mortgage Collaborative and one of our earliest members. And we were lucky enough to have new interim for now, although little birdies are chirping in my ear that she's could be getting the permanent appointment, which we would all love, I think, after hearing her speak. Uh, but interim FHFA director, Sandra Thompson, who joined us virtually last week in Terrania. And uh, Kate, you had a chance to interview her and everybody was so impressed by her, just her handle on the issues that are most pertinent to our country, the the fi housing finance tentacles uh, to those issues, and just her really forthrightness um, and the genuineness at which she answered all the questions. But uh, I'll just start with your uh, general takeaway from your interview and conversation with FHFA Director Sandra Thompson last week. Yeah, I thought she was great um, of kind of fresh breath of fresh air <laughs> compared to what we've been seeing and, you know, as we knew going into the interview, we've had, you know, so many things that were overturned that were put in place by previous administrations. So just her, you know, our initial take on her is, of course, fabulous because of that. But then getting to hear her speak and kind of talk about what she's looking at in the future, I felt like she had a much more common sense approach with not a lot of agenda behind it. So more just truly what is going to be the best for the consumer and the industry as a combination and not just um, a specific agenda. So really, I, I thought that was great. She had a specific comment that really stuck out to me that focused on AUS versus the PSPA and the you know 3% caps on those specific property types she mentioned something about AUS. And I think just that in general, the, her understanding and knowledge across the board of, of how we do loans, being able to talk about an AUS and utilizing that, um, it gives me hope that maybe during the discovery phase, 
they push more towards adjusting their risk model in an AUS for second home and investment properties, and then maybe get rid of the PSBAs altogether. So I just thought, and you know, she has a lot of discussions about affordable affordable housing and kind of approach that, that approaches that they're using there. Um, I just I thought she was great. Yeah, I thought she was great. And I, I like that comment as well, because I think that's what a lot of us in the industry said when they unleashed these uh, amendments to the preferred stock purchase agreement. They had these blanket sweeping, same for all mortgage lenders across America, major changes to the, you know, the amount of non-owner occupied properties you could sell and other things that will never be implemented now. Um, and yeah, she kind of had the common sense approach, like we can kind of tweak things through automated underwriting systems as opposed to it it felt to me like somebody that understood the real issues and how to make real change as opposed to somebody that was like Washington speak and you know uh, yeah. and talking points one goal to privatize and and anything they had to do to get there would be done versus what we have now so that's great this is the last week in mortgage today I'm Rich Swarbinski with the mortgage collaborative joined this week in the co-host seat by Eustace Mortgage CEO, Kate Decay. Uh, we just went through the news headlines and uh, now are uh, just kind of going through some of the top takeaways from last week's TMC lender member conference at Tyrannia. Um, the venture capital guys that we had on Tuesday morning, to me, were very interesting as well. We brought on a panel of uh, four, you know, private equity slash venture capital people that are represented fintech focused firms that all had made mortgage investments that were you know watchers of the mortgage industry from afar and it was very interesting to me to get their kind of cold calculated just as a pure investment view of the industry that we live and breathe uh, all day you know and and one of the comments that really stood out to me was uh our moderator asked, like, if you were the CEO of a mortgage company, like you are, Kate, uh, right now, like, what would your message be to them? And uh, the one guy was like, I, I would, like, pretend you're like the CEO of Macy's in 2015, <laughs> because that's oh the gosh. way that they really feel the mortgage industry is going to where if you are not really just quick and fast and everything the customer wants immediately, the same way Amazon or Shopify is, then you're really going to find yourself in a tough spot. Your, your thoughts on the venture capital guys and their view of the mortgage industry? I think to an extent, you know, I can agree, especially when it's consumer facing. Um, I think we talk a lot about, you know, bots and RPAs and this and that and the other. And I, I think you know, the, the stats are always going to show us that people do want their handheld still. And it, it's, in particular, even still for millennials. And so the people that are coming up, it's not like it's um, be, it's a different model for one age generation versus the other. The millennials still really do want their hand held, held as well. So while I certainly think that there has to be ability to get to people quickly, I think the direction of, you know, you're building a bot that's going to talk to someone and answer all their questions. At some point, they want a real human. So I think there's definitely got to be some sort of conglomerate of what that looks like. Um, but the key being access to it quickly, because if you think about, you know, our kids today and we talk about Macy's, it's like, you know, the blockbuster comment, it's really anything because we have Uber Eats and anything is accessible at your fingertips at any point in time. You don't, uh, we had the storm Ida 
here recently and you know we have no power we have basically nothing happening at our house and my 12 year old says well why don't we just order uber eats or postmates like (laughs) i don't think you understand that that's not how you know it works so that they don't realize when you know you can just grab your ipad and find any movie that you want um they don't realize that things aren't accessible that quickly so I, i certainly agree to that point where it's kind of like a macy's you need the consumer to be able to gain access to information and basically get responses very quickly. But I do think there's some sort of conglomerate version of that. You have a question come in. Uh, how concerned or do you anticipate any disruption if Congress does not address the looming debt ceiling? I think the immediate we just I think there would be violent market reactions, not only stock market, but bond market, which fuels mortgage rates. So uh, Dave Mueller, I know you're a very good cap markets guy like uh like hedge your positions going into that just because, you know, ultimately I think like, especially Biden's got a lot going on right now. They got to get that figured out. The debt ceiling thing. I mean, there'd be violent market reaction one way or another. Uh, Kate, any, any thoughts on the looming debt ceiling and impact our industry? I agree. I think it's, again, it's just a market reaction. And then, and then what that does to rates and, you know, our hedge and, margin calls and all those fun conversations when they come up, but I, I don't, you know, how much it affects us outside of that. I think that's, that's it. All you cap markets, people out there. Yeah. Uh, hedge your positions just, just in case. So, uh, Kate, getting back to the conference and some of the top takeaways, another sense I just got was, you know, it, it lenders and you guys are a very tech forward company. And, and so may, not be in this position, but I, I just felt like there was a lot of lenders that, um, you know, were so damn busy last year. It was just survive 2020, 21 started off busier than anybody thought. The first quarter was busy. Maybe some anticipated getting back to business planning in the first quarter that kind of got delayed the spring and summer. I, I just talked to so many lenders that had spent a lot of time these last three, four, five months examining tech and systems and platforms and channels and strategies. And I just felt like a lot of leaders were at the culmination point of a lot of those decisions that either just made decisions on new tech providers or platforms or channel strategies. Uh, would that be a fair assessment from from your interactions with our lenders? Completely. I think you know everybody put anything on hold for the most part. Um, trying to just focus on volume and getting through what we could with all the changes that were occurring these past basically almost two years at this point. Um, so now it's really back into the tech game. And I think just attending conferences like the one we just had, you realize how much more there is and, and how much we need to be keeping up with it. On the flip side, when you talk about like eclos, okay, well, we still haven't done eclos. Eclos are supposed to be like our biggest tech, you know. It's not truly blockchain, but some portion of blockchain that we experience and we're still not there. <laughs> so, so I try not to get too hung up on, you know, oh my gosh, it's going to, you know, this is going to happen next year. We're going to be behind, uh, you know, we're still a mid-sized company. So you can't just do every technology feature that exists in the world and it makes sense for you. So I definitely don't, I don't see, um, some people's points of, you know, that we're going to be this Amazon world or we're going to have to take that direction. I think there's going to be a happy medium. And we're, as an industry, we've been so slow to roll things out. 
um, that I think we'll probably just see a more regular speed now because with COVID, we've kind of had to make adjustments and we know what we want the mortgage world to look like. Now it's just getting us there. So I certainly think it's going to be speedy, speedier than (laughs) eclose. was. Um, and we still can't truly implement a full e-close in most states, but that's a whole different um, conversation. So I think it's coming um, and it will be speedy, but but a realistic pace that we that we don't need to panic as IMBs or people in this industry that it's all of a sudden um, going to be around the corner. Right. Like, yeah, you're like, if, if you don't have every tech platform you want implemented by end of the year, it's over. Right? Exactly. Yeah, you're you're uh, out of business. But I think lenders are just because it has been so busy the last year. I, you know, I've, I've, lenders are very focused on the future. I think all great leaders like yourself are always focused on the future. Um, but last year was a tough year to be focused on anything but the present. Um, and it feels like there's more of that feel now. So um, to that point, you know, another thing I heard a lot was just last year was such a tough year just because it got so busy. Like the, the, I guess, pain and the minutia of hiring and training and firing. It was all remote. A lot of companies had not been remote before, but I think I heard a lot of lenders too, that were, that, that long for the day where they can even out some of the, just the up and down pain of the cyclical nature of our industry operationally, you know, like, Oh, I'm overstaffed or, Oh my God, I got to hire just anybody with the, that can fog a mirror because <laughs> we need to close loans. And now we have too many people like, and, you know, I think that, you know, what I heard from some lenders was technology is part of that solution. It's not going to replace humans anytime soon, but I think it can help streamline the needed human capital um, that cross-training employees and, you know, other strategies that, you know, I think lenders were employing bots, you mentioned, to do tasks that, you know, don't have to be done by humans. You know, maybe, you know, hiring some younger people and training your own, maybe thinking that you have a, uh, you know, less attrition and a lower cost basis of employees. So how do you view just mortgage operations in general from October 2021 forward? You know, I think it's certainly a frustrating part of our business being as cyclical as it is and making sure you're staffed correctly where you don't have to have the, you know, reductions in forces and these things. I mean, the last, I always build our company and those around me are the same in a way that we like the last thing we want to do is a reduction of force. So what can we do to work with this additional volume that we don't necessarily need to add anyone so that once it levels back out, we're right in the position that we need to be. Of course, we had people to add last year because we grew as a company um, organically as well, not just you know all the refis and all the normal things that we were dealing with. We had internal growth as well with um, retail loan officers. So you know, staffing up to appropriately offset those. I know a lot of people are still using, you know, talking about the outsourcing of, um, you know, underwriting or processing. We have some companies within the mortgage collaborative that, you know, have heard things about utilizing MI companies to try not to have kind of the ups and downs um, across at least underwriting, um, but that still leaves a ton of other departments. Um, But again, I, I think personally, because training your own is great for retention, but it doesn't help when you're having a high and then you still have to get back to 
your your kind of break even spots. Um, so I definitely think kind of building those RPAs that people are working more efficiently um, and able to do more in their job helps those swings. Evening out the peaks and valleys. That was the the what I was trying to get at. You said it much more succinctly, but uh, yeah, I think that general that general uh, feeling amongst leaders and a good segue into a question we just had come in the chat. For Kate, outside of e-closings, what other areas can you recommend for small and medium-sized lenders to target in terms of innovative tech in mortgage lending? You just mentioned RPAs. Uh, any that expound on that or any other uh, thoughts on I would say small to medium-sized lenders should explore on the in the tech side. Yeah. Um, so RPAs, of course, if you haven't already moved into some sort of uh, platform that's like a data mining on your existing database, giving you information on your existing database and even predictive information on your existing database. I think that's a big one. Um, as I mentioned, RPAs, those are the two that we're certainly focused on. And uh, yeah, that, and that's a good point. And something else I wanted to touch on that I heard a lot about was just use of actionable intel and data. Uh, far more lenders implementing data in different ways outside of data, like how many loans did we close this month? And, you know, well, you know, how many units per what processor underwriter, uh-huh. but uh, a lot of companies out there, uh, model match and MGIC is doing some really cool things with their lender landscape product. And I emerge and we've got some partners with some really cool things where, you know, these uh, data mining sources where you can go into any County in America and see, you know, like, hey, Rocket Mortgage closed, you know, 180 of the 350 loans in that county last month and Eustace Mortgage closed 70 and ABC Mortgage closed 40. And it was these loan originators. It was these realtors that referred it. And this was the demographics um, of the borrowers on the loan. So a lot of talk about companies using data like that to help chart uh, growth strategies to help diversify their customer base for uh, you hit on it at the beginning of the show. Um, you know, just in terms of uh, preparing your company for a, a new kind of refanged CFPB and all the fair lending uh, tentacles that are going to come with that. But uh, talk a little bit about just, you know, use of uh, actionable data and Intel. Yeah. So 100%. Um basically all the tools that we had that we could um, in that direction outside of really um, utilizing those tools and then building kind of an ROI to understand the ROI on it. That's the piece that we still need to do. Um, You know, utilizing MGIC's platform, um, particularly our loan officers, they're really looking at their individual markets and we're working with them to create game plans on what they're seeing. Um, that that's great for MGIC's product. Then we've signed up with Model Match, which I know has also started working with the Mortgage Collaborative, which I think is great. Um, that's more on the recruiting front. And again, you can get very specific on what you're looking for, what market you want to grow in, you know, what what volume are you looking for in a loan officer? You know, it's those are great tools to help um, build your company. Then on the flip side, you're looking at um, the next level, which is your actual database of clients and how kind of your tracking them (laughs) and following up with them and what campaigns are you putting them on based off of, you know, this action that they're taking. So finding the tools that, you know, like a sales boomerang 
And I know Salesforce Brain is working on some predictive, more predictive than they are, you know, than they are right now um, features. So just utilizing those tools, I think, is extremely important for IMBs. I, I see it, you know, the results specifically for our company. I know I mentioned ROI. And building ROI on technology is always um, a struggle for me and exactly how to do that. But our company has been around for 65 years and we've had refi booms in the past. Again, we've never seen, you know, what we did these last two years, but there have been refi booms in our past 65 years. The most we ever were, were 15%, 10% um, refi, and that's in a boom. Whereas uh, this last year, we were 50% refi. So you can see the tools we're using are paying off. And, you know, those years ago, sure, we had CRMs, we sent out postcards, or we did this, that, and the other. So there was some sort of touch. But I think the, you know, combination CRM analytics on customers and communicating based off of that information is ex- extremely important and, and part of the reason why we were able to retain a lot of our uh, refinance clients as well. It's awesome. Somebody that works for a company that, you know, looks to embolden small to medium-sized mortgage lenders. So great to hear you say that. I heard other lenders say the same. We're just retaining more customers through being smart and proactive, um, using great customer retention tools and vendors and a big part of the success that companies like Eustis Mortgage had last year. And it's great to hear those results. So... This is the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. Just have a minute or so left with Eustace Mortgage CEO, Kate Decay. Kate, cybersecurity has been kind of a building issue at our conferences in the general vernacular amongst our members. Yes. Uh, you know, I had some uh, specific members that, that gave like firsthand accounts of phishing attacks and other things they've been a part of. It just felt like, you know, especially with all the transactions that have been done the last year and a half, all the customer data that mortgage lenders are yes. sitting on, um, you know, again, a more, a more top of mind issue for leaders like yourself right now. No, for sure. And um, I know you're aware in our collab group, we had, you know, in the, the actual um, collab sessions, we had someone that this was happening to like during the session. So, you know, as it's all happening, I'm messaging IT, make sure they've put in place some of the things that we've been talking about doing. Did we actually do it? Because, you know, you start to panic in those situations. You know, big takeaways for me on cyber. Um, we have a lot of push and we've had this push. We So we really don't have anything much on our servers um, is u- utilizing web-based platforms so that, our uh, users are just clicking on a website and working through their systems. Of course, your vendor management policies and what you're checking um, on those web-based systems has to be a little bit elevated, Um, but trying to get kind of anything that was hosted internally off of us. So if we were hacked in a way that they were trying to shut down our systems, it wouldn't really affect us. Um, you know, maybe we couldn't get to our data warehouse for a couple of days because that's where it's being pushed through, but nothing that's going to affect our business functioning on a day-to-day basis. Um, the other one was basically making sure we're not pushing socials anywhere. So, you know, obviously they're housed in our LOS, um, but making sure we're not pushing them to AMB, for example, or accounting software, making sure they're not going to the data warehouse and that they're stored nowhere on our internal servers or any servers that we have in the cloud. A big one that we thought about as kind of the years progressed and and what we've determined is trying to get all 
private consumer data off of our servers as well. And one of the big ones that we realize that we are holding on to is 1098s and the borrower's socials are on 1098s. So just kind of going through each department and seeing, okay, what, so where are you storing personal information for customers? What is it? And how do we get it off? <laughs> or, you know, basically unplug, do it, have it on our server for a few days when we're completing the task and then like unplugging that server so it's not accessible. That's great insight. Yeah, I mean, as a business owner, it's something that, you know, looming beneath the surface, but that could be something incredibly damaging to the company if, if you don't have your, uh, or you're not on top of it like you are. So, but uh, Kate, thank you as always for once again, co-hosting uh, the last week in mortgage today. And uh, my barking dogs are, uh, they must know it's 2.33 Eastern. So uh, <laughs> we have a, so. It'll be there soon. <laughs> Thank you once again. It was great seeing you last week. Thank you for all you did at conference. Good luck to your saints this weekend and to our attendees. Uh, thank you very much for taking half an hour, 33 minutes actually this week out of uh, your week with us. And we are here every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern for the last week of mortgage today. Until then, have a great rest of the week, everyone. Have a great one, everybody. Bye, Kate. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.